Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion 9. Everybody, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. I'm Guido along with Scoot. Oy vey. And Johnson. Guido, I have never been so happy for all three of us to be so wrong about a football game prediction. I know we all three picked this game as a loss for WVU, and and rightfully so, because Iowa State, you know, powerhouse of the Big 12 that it has become, should have beat us, but WVU pulls it off in spectacular fashion and beats Iowa State 38-31 at home at Milan Pushkar Stadium, Mountaineer Field. It was awesome, guys. It was phenomenal. Yeah, and I think for all indications where even though it was a small crowd, Guido, what did they? Just over 45,000, right? I think attendance. Yeah, just over 45,000. Everyone that I follow on Twitter that was in person, unfortunately, we couldn't be. We will be soon, but we couldn't be uh, Saturday. It sounds like they were still loud and showed out and, and, and like even... Neil Brown said post game he really appreciated the fan presence so they must have been allowed 45k I guess yeah and you know I mean at the end of the day Johnson I mean it's it's important for the crowd that's there to be pumped and into the game and it sounds like they were and like you said unfortunately we couldn't be there we will be there though in a few weeks because we're going to go to our annual got your ears on game it's going to be the Texas game this year and and Scooty uh, I don't know if you remember, but this is this is what happened last week on the show. Are you willing to make a bet, Guido? Are you are okay. you a betting man? I mean, you know I'm a yeah, betting I man. Mean. Okay, here's the deal. We're going to this Texas game, right? Right. Okay. Oh boy. If Scoot loves this kind no, of stuff, if WVU beats Iowa State, okay, I will walk into Milan Pushkar Stadium. Oh, I like this with a gigantic sign that I've handwritten that says "Deggy is my boy." Okay. Hey, Scoot. So, how do you feel about making that bet now? Deggy is your boy. Deggy's your boy. Uh, um, it's a great Deggy to be a Mountaineer, wherever <laughs> you may be. Have you uh, Have you ordered your poster board yet scoot do you did you I, pick a nice you know i like I a nice bright will. white poster board i yeah, feel like something that shows up nice on tv yes definitely we'll have it we'll have it ready. i'll bring some got your ears on stickers we'll stick some got your ears on stickers on it you know they can look for us in the stands i i'm feeling pretty confident about this scoot yeah i mean i'm a man of my word i will i will carry the sign in i will i will bring the sign so let's talk about it though. I just I want to have a serious conversation now about Jared Dagey. And 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 we have been kind of jumping all over him, Johnson. Jared Dagey had a phenomenal game on Saturday. Yeah, and I was just gonna bring up Scoot. So Patrick Southern, someone that I follow on WVU Twitter for a while now, he he sent out a tweet yesterday, probably still trying to do what we were all doing, like try and make sense of what we just watched. Um, he said, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, so I'm crowdsourcing this on Twitter, but this is Deggie's best game at West Virginia by a mile, yes? Question mark. And I think, I, I mean, I can't think of a better one. Can you? I mean. No, I it, it definitely was his best game ever. Maybe of his college career, not just as a Mountaineer, right? I mean, yeah, he, right. I mean, I, I mean, we don't, I don't know off the top of my head, but I dare say it's up there, right? The mistakes were minimal. Uh, he actually did throw the ball down the field. Um, 
and I I think and what I've been seeing a lot on on Twitter, and I think you guys will agree, one of the big differences um, in his ability to do some of those things was the 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 offensive line played probably their best game of the season. Yeah, and so I was gonna that's a that's a great that's a great comment, Scoot, because I was gonna bring up the same thing. So, Guido. Uh, the at WV stats guy, which I, I always bring this guy up to you guys. I, I feel like I want to get him on the show sometime. If you're not following at WV stats guy, get, get on that. Cause he's always putting out good stuff. He pointed out last week um, that per uh, pro football focus season grades, Daggy under a clean pocket was 80.8 under pressure, 41.9. Like this huge split. Big of gap. Big when, gap. When he right. has time. And, and Guido, you've been keeping us, you know, I, I have like a blind spot to, and I think Scoot does too. You always kind of remind us how, you know, Deggy leads the Big 12 in in several passing categories. And I think when I saw that stat, I, I started to think about that going into this game. I was really, pre- I was really prepared to be watching him really be under duress all game and and certainly there were times where uh iowa state's defensive line got after him but i think if i was you know trying to we were talking about it over the text machine the rest of the weekend here just trying to put things together you know same same guy but like where has this been you know shots downfield efficiency was good he threw for what 370 yards i think so i i think in my mind and i wanted to see what you guys think thinking back to this uh, WV stats guy tweet. I have to think that, it, you know, if I kind of replay the game in my mind, I feel like for the most part, he had a pretty clean pocket. He had time to survey the field. Now, uh, you know, obviously he throws the pick six out into the screen cause things kind of break down on that, you know, on that set of stuff. But I think on the, on the whole, he, he probably had time to work. I think Letty goes for 109. I think you have to give the offensive line, you know, we've certainly criticized them, but I think after this game, you got to give them, you got to give them some props, right? I, I think, um, and maybe you guys can elaborate more on this if, if you want. I think the big change that we've seen in the last two weeks is since the bye week is there has been some kind of behind the scenes change in coaching Maybe not so much philosophy, but execution as to who's doing what on offense, who's calling the plays, perhaps, what kind of plays we're going to call. There seems to be less of this scripted stuff and kind of, I think they're going a little bit more on feel and and, and it seems to be working out better because I felt like it was so, um, in the past, it was very... Um, predictable i think it was kind of mm-hmm. predictable i think there are still some elements that are predictable like uh, garrett green coming in on the third series i think i tweeted to you guys i was like well garrett green will be coming in on the third series to hand the ball off a couple times and then come right back out and that's kind of what he did he came while well, he came in handed the ball off once and then the second time he threw a pass that was incomplete and then came out yeah i feel like and i feel like now we're at a point where and and, and and Jake Lance, friend of the show, Jake Lance from SmokyMusket.com, said, you know, we're at a point now where it's like, is he just trotting out green to satiate us, like to make us, all of us loud voices feel like, hey, Gary Green got it sometime. I, you know, here he is, guys. Like, look at the, look at the, look at the guy, throw the ball, run around. Okay, great. Now we're going to back to what we we're doing. I, but going on what you said, Scoot, 100%, like, Neil Brown said after our show last week in the in the Tuesday press conference prior to 
the Iowa State game. He said, he goes, this this week we changed it up a little bit, you know, that and he made the excuse that at TCU the stadium has a better view from the press box and Jared sits up in the press box and has a better view of the game or whatever it is. But he talked about how Jared sort of controlled the play calling a little bit more. And I think that was probably still pretty prevalent this week in the game. And and I, and and going off what you said, Johnson, I agree with you. Offensive line is playing better. Jarrett Dagey plays better when the offensive line is better. You know, I mean, I I mean, I think any quarterback's going to play better when their offensive line's playing. Sure, good. yeah, right. You know, Neil Neil Brown, I think actually post game, rightfully so, this week came out and said, "Listen, he goes, Dagey was huge this game. You know, three hundred seventy yards is huge." And he goes, Deggie was huge this game, and maybe he's been getting some criticism, I think a little bit unjustly, as Neil Brown said. But he came out this week and he showed, like, even after that pick six, that he had, you know, was able to bounce back and deal with the adversity and come out. And, you know, Jared Deggie does lead the Big 12 in a lot of stats right now, including things like average passing yards per game I mean that's big he leads it in total leads the big 12 in total passing yards right now uh he also leads the big 12 in total interceptions as well so let's not like go a hundred percent in on him but I think that you know what we have been complaining about for the past six eight weeks maybe not has been so much player personnel as much as it's been play calling and game management. Well, and it's funny that, like, Scoot, you know, and you guys are talking about that TCU game. Chris Anderson over at 247 had tweeted out that Jared Dagey deep passing, so Scoot 20-plus yards, because I know you're going to say, like, what's a deep pass? But tw- So 20-plus yards in the air in the first six games, 10 of 29, two TDs, two interceptions, and a 70.6 rating. Jared Deggie deep passing the last two games, eight of 12, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and a near perfect 149 NFL passer rating. So that's what, huge. That's and that's huge. that's a big difference. Like listen, that's a big difference. I will be the first one to tell you that I uh, have wanted Jared Deggie to enter the transfer portal or something where he's not behind center, and we go with some other option. However, if he plays like he did today. If we see this again next next week, uh, I think maybe I'm I'm okay with it. I think I think I'm I'm feeling better now. Am I jumping on this trust the climb garbage? No, I'm not trusting climbs, and I'm, I'm not going to do. You're that. not fun, you're not looking for carabiners, and and you're no. not with listen, we, you're not with no. Guido at like uh, you because know Cabela's. Listen, as Ray, I'm already I've already visited REI. Right? I'm ready. Like let's get as, let's get on the hill. Let's as go. Uh, I've uh, matured in my West Virginia fandom, I also know that uh, what what goes up must come down so to speak. So yes, we beat Iowa state. So does this mean now that uh, somehow we get too big for our britches and we lose a game to like a Kansas state or a Kansas or something, because we all of a sudden get a lot of steam. And then in typical West Virginia fashion, the the two games that we were counting on to be wins, we lose one of those because of that's just how things go for West Virginia. Well, you know, Jake, um, so, you know, Guido brought up Jake when he was on the show. He kind of called it, and he even tweeted that earlier. He kind of called it while he was on the show here with us. Um, so, you know, check him out at, at Nightstare on Twitter. But he was reminding everyone that, you know, I think coming in, we were talking about Iowa State's coming off 
what ended up, I mean, at the time, obviously we didn't know that, but we knew it was going to be a big game with Oklahoma state. They ended up winning, rushing the field. That was, you know, like we thought it might be an emotionally charged game. The game after us is Texas. You know, they obviously want to get Texas on out of games on their schedule. So I don't know. They come into Morgantown. It's a, ESPN plus uh who was it scooch Sean Starks what was that guy's uh, name Shane Side, Sparks Shane Sparks Shane Sparks. <laughs> Shane Shane, Sparks who does rhyme with Sean Starks Can we just talk about Shane Sparks for a second Well I mean it's either way it feels like a WWE wrestler name right He does he does right and he had no neck he he, he did he lost his neck somewhere <laughs> Jake was even saying like look do they come into Morgantown you know do we do they come in just thinking they're going to take care of business and we sneak up and have a good game and and wow did we ever i mean we're talking about deggy but i think the o-line stepped up bryce ford wheaton and the wide receivers have has the wide receiver core had a better game in the last season or two than what we watched saturday i i would argue no i mean some huge catches yeah that was probably the best uh game that the receiving cores had since we had david stills and david stills and um uh, Gary Jennings. I thought they I thought they played phenomenal across the board. And, and and Bryce Ford Wheaton was just robbed, robbed of a 46-yard, you know, reception where they called a pass interference, offensive pass interference on, and he could have had a phenomenal game. I mean, he already had he had a 45 was as long. He could have had more. I will I will say that, you know, this is and there were parts of the game where I struggled emotionally. I'll, I'll be honest. This is an, this is, <laughs> you were a blubbering you, you were mess. riding the roller coaster. This is a safe space, right? We're in a safe space. You were a blubbering I mean, mess I at was, times on the text. I was not in a good spot. Like, because there were times where, like, offense would come back. Like, and we haven't seen this in a couple of years where, like, offense would come back and answer the call and defense would be what was struggling. And so, like, you would have Bryce Ford Whedon catching 45-yard passes or Winston Wright catching these 35-yard passes. And then the defense would let, you know, Bryce Hall, uh, Brees Hall run a 50-yard run down, and you know, and Brock Purdy would break through for – six guys would miss him along the way. And, like, I was – I, I was not, uh, you know, emotionally, I will be honest, like we're we're all friends here. This is a safe space. I was not in a good space on, on Saturday afternoon. Well, I think you were waiting on the next. Um, they Iowa State scores were so quick, like quick strike, like you yeah. said, 70-yard run or a 70-yard pass reception or something. It was like you didn't you couldn't get comfortable because you didn't know when the next strike. I, Guido, I think time of possession was clearly dominated by WVU. Oh, yeah, West Virginia, 34 minutes to Iowa State was 25 minutes. So, like, <laughs> right. crazy. Crazy we, we did well. However, I'm going to – I mean, I'm going to – Rain on the parade a little bit. Here we go. At some point in the game, toward the end of the fourth quarter, it was as if the coaching staff went into, hey, we're playing Madden 22, not coaching college football. <laughs> Let's just and wing it around, up. right? Yeah, we're up, and we decide we're going to run four straight pass plays. Oh, my gosh. Like, what and are like, we doing? We were, like, we were texting out. We yeah. were texting each other like, like nuts. Why like, would right. you, what are they doing? Like, you have... And I've said this all along, so I've I've been in Letty's corner. He's probably the premier running back. I, Brees Hall's good, but I think Letty is just as good, if not better. He's probably right. the premier running back in the Big Twelve. We're not going to use him. 
We want to save him for, I don't know, uh, singing the song at the end of the game. Well, and you we, were feeling like, <laughs> Guido, I think that's where your emotions went back up on the roller coaster because you felt like we're given we're, we're them a gift. We're giving the game right back right? into their hands. There was plenty like, of time left for them. We could have run the clock out and yeah. just won by running the ball. Right. Well, right. He's gotten the ball back to him with like less than a right. minute to go. At least like, we could have clock. run the clock yeah. down. Right. right. We gave them the ball with a lot of time. If we're not going to use Letty... Tony Tony Mathis had a couple of nice runs. So it wasn't like the running game was letty or bust. Like we were getting yards with either guy. Yeah, and to to your point though, that was if if I'm being honest, that was probably the one point in the game where I really really didn't understand what we were trying to do on offense. The other times, I mean, I, other than the weird, like forcing the Garrett green thing, even though, you know, for once we were all, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? For once we were all sitting there, like, why is he putting Garrett? Like, that's not needed right now. You know, like he everything's came, fine. He, so don't he came force in that. With, what? Three plays. I think. Well, I think two, he, he two and hand, then got yanked. And then I think he came in later and handed it off or something. Right. Yeah. He, he did one of those, like, and let me ask you guys this, like, if Garrett Green, if this, all things being equal, and this score was still the same, and the game was done, and those whatever, three, five plays that Garrett Green ran, like if he hadn't run those plays, would you guys feel any different? You'd be like, okay, whatever, like we won. Like, Well, at this point, like, I, I think the Oklahoma game, I was excited. I was like, all right, this is a good change of pace. This is the guy we right. need. This is good energy. And it worked. Right. And it worked. Because the way they used him, yes. Right. Uh, There's no point in using him. Let's be, I mean, if you're not. I would would argue, Guido, to answer your question, I would argue the opposite. Like, I was sitting there watching it with with my dad, and we were both saying, it's not needed right now. Like, in those other games, I would, like Scoot saying, I I want the change of pace because things don't feel like they're working. In this game, actually, don't don't mess up the rhythm because things look like they're working. That's not, don't force it. If if anything, if they're going to do something with him at this point, toss him in the backfield behind Deggie. Let's see that one time. Right, do something different. Do something different. Let's let's see that one time where he's out there. Maybe he's in the slot or something. I don't know. I'll tell you guys, like after watching, and we texted about this a little bit too after the game, I think next year, because I think Daggy's done after this year. I know there's probably some weird NCAA rule that lets him come back for his like seventh season. I mean, do you guys realize that he has started 38? He has started 38 college football games now like he when we go to when we see him in texas if he starts texas which he will daggy it'll be 41 starting as a starting quarterback yeah for right ncaa between bowling green and and, and wvu but i have this theory where like i don't think daggy comes back because i think it's ridiculous like go play canadian football or go play arena football like you're too old to play college sell football insurance now. or something yeah do something and i think i mean after seeing you know garrett green in the in the first quarter in that third series came out did those two plays and then when he got called out of the game i don't know the camera was on him i don't know if you guys saw it. he looked just beaten by it he just like threw his head down and was like so depressed by it. i don't think i think garrett green hits the transfer portal next year i don't know if he stays with wvu i think we're talking goose crowder 2022 wvu quarterback well and i i won't be surprised at that either but one thing i thought was really cool like in the mix of all this chaos and and everything i thought the tweet that wvu football put out of garrett green kind of leaning in the camera and saying hey those uh, deggy haters are awful quiet now aren't they i thought regardless of like where you fall i think to me 
that makes me like Garrett Green even more. Like that's just a cool yeah. a cool thing. And in that tweet, you can see Deggy kind of walking by in the background. That I I thought that was really cool. And I think it's a guy that you know he's he it's it's kind of been such a weird situation for him. And you can tell he's still engaged if they're calling him in to run two weird plays and then yank him off the field. He's willing to do that. Um, if not, he's, you know, he's being a good teammate. So I, but I agree with you. I, I'm not sure why he would be motivated to stay. I don't know. Obviously we could be wrong, but it's funny how you've heard more like leadership and other comments about goose Crowder lately, you know, almost like the setup for next year is more toward goose. Who, who knows? I, I don't Neil know. Brown's talked a lot about goose Crowder and leadership and all of those things that, you know, you hear out of the quarterback camp. Well guys, let's switch over a little bit though and talk. So all offensively performances were great. I mean, Jared Daigie, like you said, 270. You know, Bryce Ford Wheaton uh, caught six receptions for 106 yards with a 45-yard long and two TDs. Winston Wright, six receptions for 100 yards and a TD. Let's switch over to the defensive side. And I think it's it, – I feel like it was very hard because there were a lot – like we said, there were a lot of times where that – Iowa State team just sort of just pounded straight through us and we're running these series where you know they were scoring within two minutes of getting the ball and and you got to remember Iowa State that's an old team like there's a lot of fifth year seniors on that team there's a lot of you know there's a lot of players who have stayed around um defense sort of struggled against Iowa State Johnson. Well, and again, so, you know, Jake, uh, Jake Lance, who, you know, over at Smoking Musket, he put something out today, too, on he kind of does his articles, you know, what I think after the game. And I think he made a really good point because I was texting you guys, Guido, saying, I don't know how the defense gives up 400 plus yards and I still feel like they did okay. Like, why do I feel like that? You know, there were, I feel like the three of us needed like a Dr. Phil session after this game. Like, what am I feeling? <laughs> yeah, right? What, you know, how does this work? I don't understand my emotions, whatever. So Jake had a, a good point in his uh, column about the defense. And he was just pointing out that uh, Brees Hall finished with 167 yards. He had 70 yards uh, on one run and 53 yards on another near touchdown run. His other 22 carries went for 44 yards. You know, so it was just really big play, like chunk plays really hurt us. And same thing for Brock Purdy. He completed 16 passes for 185 yards, but he had a 68-yard touchdown pass. His other 15 went for just 117 yards. So I, I know you can't do that. I'm not asking you guys to like compartmentalize these big plays, but it seems like you can walk away from that and say, okay, well, we know what we need to work. You know, like let's let's try to cut down these big plays. Then, you know, otherwise we actually we actually kind of held them in check. It wasn't that bad. Again, Josh Chandler Samato has had uh, another great game. I mean, he had 12 total tackles, one sack in there, which I, I that might be his first, maybe his second sack of the season. Uh, Akeem Mesador, after having a couple of games of struggling, has come back and, you know, was kind of all over the place on the line. I think that, you know, Brock Purdy, that offensive line was, a you know, which is an old offensive line for Iowa State, struggled against us, which was nice to see. You know, they have a lot of playmakers on that team, Scoop. Yeah, if if I could be critical of, uh, other than that, the bad play calling toward the end of the game, my only other concern I had, negative thing, uh, as far as the football team went, defensively, there were a couple times, and I think I texted you guys this, where it was almost as if uh, the either defensive lineman or the, the linebacker was worried about getting a late hit 
So there were a couple times where instead of tackling the guy with the ball, they would kind of like jump or like freeze. And then that guy would make a move and get by him or Brock Purdy would throw the ball because that guy jumped instead of tackling. Yeah. It seemed like against Purdy specifically quite a few times, didn't it? It was like, it was sort of like they weren't sure whether to die about it. I think I was like, why didn't he tackle him? Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. But I think, for and Scoot, you you and I were talking about it during the game. I think for the most part, almost the full game, we only rushed three and we gave them a fit yeah. all game. So I I mean all game. I think you got to give it up for Stills, uh, Mesador, Taj Austin. You know the guys the guys that were man in that front. They they really bothered Brock Purdy all game. Now he's able to you know it frustrate us once he got by that level he could run and he and he did hurt us with his feet a bit but i mean we had him we had him scrambling quite a bit if if let's let's i got a question for you okay okay let's say the three of us are the three defensive linemen for the mountaineers okay 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 Okay. all right i like this i think where this is going of the three of us who's most likely to lead the team in sacks and tackles for a loss Ooh, that's a good question i would i'm i'm gonna venture a guess scoot and you're like this i actually think it might be you scooty i think it might be you that would lead if we were the three linemen i think i would be uh, you know i'm the big guy i'm moving a lot of people but i'm not i'm not quick i i think of you as kind of like our lamont mcdougall I like that. I like You're this. kind of our over the nose. The, you mean the nose just guard? On the yeah. nose. You're the I'm nose right guard. up the nose. Yep. Right. Uh, I'm making sure that gap gets filled. Like the, it ain't happening, right? Johnson and I are coming off the edge. Yes. I feel like. Um. I feel like you know. Uh, I feel like you might have a step on Johnson. I'm sorry, Johnson. I mean, <laughs> uh, I feel like you might have a you might have a step. I feel like wingspan is an important thing. I feel like Scoot has a bit a bit of a, a, long a more Scoot's, He's got yes. a big wingspan. Scoot has he's slow, but he's got a big wingspan. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean I'm obviously faster. We've proven that out, but he does have wind a big aided. wingspan. You were wind aided. Okay, all but, right, um, wind aided. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think, I think you're, I, I see where you're going. Would you to. say then if you're Lamont McDougal, I'm more <laughs> like Bruce Irvin. I don't know if I'd say that. That's that might be a stretch, Johnson. That might be a bit of a stretch. I mean, I mean, he was kind of tall. <laughs> Johnson, Johnson's giving an old double. Take. Okay. Yes. He was kind of tall that you and Bruce <laughs> Irvin are both kind of tall. Yes. I'll give you that. You're both kind of tall. I think the comparison may stop after that. All right, so WVU, great win over Iowa State. Uh, Offense looks great. You know, two wins in a row, TCU. Then here in Iowa State, we now have coming to town, Oklahoma State coming to Mountaineer Field. Oklahoma State coming off a really tough game. I mean, a really rough game for Oklahoma State as they faced Kansas and won 55-3 on Saturday. So, you know, that, that probably took it out of them. Uh, uh, you know Johnson. I mean that that Kansas team is uh, that's a juggernaut. Yeah, I mean I'm sure they're beaten up and battered <laughs> after that test. Yeah, right. Right now, uh, Spencer Sanders tossed two TDs in that game and uh, for 157 yards, and they had like three interceptions against Kansas. I think the defense scored like six or seven times. I mean Kansas is such it's so hard because you can't judge like when a team comes off of Kansas to play you, you can't judge anything about them. But Oklahoma State does move in the AP poll this week to number 11 as they come into Morgantown on Saturday. It's a 3:30 game on ESPN. 
Oklahoma State, though, only favored by three points, which I thought was interesting. That's a for a number 11 team coming in against WVU. That's a, I mean, I know we just beat uh, Iowa State, number 22 ranked team, just beat them. That's a that's a nice place for WVU to be right now with a three point dog. Is this a field rushing event if we win? No, no, I don't think so. And I think this will be a tough win for WVU. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, Iowa State, they, like this win in Iowa State took a lot out of WVU. Like took a lot out of them. And so I think it's going to be tough for them to do two of these back to back. And Scoot, we even talked about this last week on the show. Like you said, for them to be bowl eligible, they've got to win Iowa State, not yes. Oklahoma State. Right. They got to win Iowa. Well, yeah. we don't we don't ever do well against Oklahoma State. Well, I do think it's interesting to point that out, Scoot, because when we were talking about, you know, we we talked about that a bit with Jake when he was on the show. You got to steal one. So which one are you going to steal? And I thought you made a good point last week to say it, it's got to be this Iowa State game because we haven't had good luck against Oklahoma State and you really don't feel confident about Texas so it if you were going to steal one you felt like it had to be this one and and now that they've gone out and done it you know considering Iowa State like if you remember the old Don Nealon you know beat the team that beat the team well I mean the Iowa State got a victory over Oklahoma State so it's not unthinkable now you come out with a little bit of confidence why not and it's look it hopefully a good crowd shows up you got Noel Devine was was inducted into the WVU Hall of Fame on on Saturday. This coming Saturday, a guy by the name of Major Harris is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. You know, I it would be awesome to get, you know, a fired up crowd, Majors inducted, you get a win over this Oklahoma State team. What what an electric Saturday that would be. I think not well, I think is he already in the Hall of Fame? They're just re- the retiring his jersey. Oh yeah, excuse me. No, you're you're right. Good point. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. I got mixed up with Noel's uh Noel's induction too. Yeah. But you're right. Noel yep. got inducted this past week and Majors numbers getting retired, number nine, which I don't even I can't think of anybody who's I mean, there's probably been some We've gone, and I said this before, and I'll say it again. We've gone uh, 125 years with football. We'll retire two uniforms, and then within a matter of three weeks, we'll retire two more. Well, like, Major's last season was 88, so now what do you look <laughs> 88? Was that his last season, right, Johnson? Yeah, so now 88, you're looking 89, at- right. So I think, I think Clint Trickett. I think Clint Trickett was number nine, like in the 2014 season. Oh, you know what? You're right. You're right. He was. I mean, everybody was like, what are you wearing that for? <laughs> I do remember that. Uh, you know, so it'll be interesting. I mean, I think, you know, Jared Dagey, uh, you know, when you look at how the game went down against Iowa State, he had 19 passes, 19, you know, receptions that was for 10 yards or more. He had seven that were for 15 yards or more. Like, I think we have to continue that, like, let's stop throwing those three-yard out routes, those three-yard crossing patterns, and get more of these 10- and 15-yard passes in there, Scoot. And I think it can make a difference against a team like Iowa, or Oklahoma State. I'm going to make a bold prediction. All right, let's do it. Oh, here we go. Okay, you ready? All right, here we go. My prediction is this, right? So I know I predicted WVU to lose last this past week. And yep. next week, I'm going to say this. If we beat Oklahoma State. <laughs> what are you carrying into the stadium now? No, no, no. Like, I'm listen, that, I mean, not, you're, you can only carry so much stuff into yeah, the stadium. Are, are, you, are you doubling this, down or what are you no, doing? This is not a bet. This is not a bet. <laughs> no, but if okay. we beat Oklahoma State, I think we win out. Really? 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 That's a bold statement wow. from you, too. From anybody, that's a bold statement from Scooty. Well, I think if we beat Oklahoma State, that says to me that we've beaten Oklahoma State, we've beaten Iowa State, we can beat Texas, 
Yeah. Because Texas to me is is uh good in name only. No, I don't think yeah. they're great. Yeah, I mean Baylor beat Texas this weekend. I right. mean Texas so, is beatable. I think we can beat Texas. Then you've got what? Kansas State and Kansas? Yeah. Right. Uh, That's your I, only I th- remaining schedule. Yep. Right. So if we beat Oklahoma State, I think we can win the last three games. Well, if I if I go back to our preseason picks, I was the only one of the three of us to say we would beat Oklahoma State. I think That's I right. did that solely because for some reason, Scoot, we have had this weird luck, just bad luck against Oklahoma State. I feel like we're due for one, don't you? It just I like I don't know why we have this bad luck against that team, but I mean, they're always good, don't get me wrong, and there's a reason why they win because they're they're usually a talented team. But we also just seem to have this terrible, terrible luck. So maybe we're due one. Well, I, I do think if we beat Oklahoma State, that could That's a bold, bold statement. Do you think that's you think that's a springboard to just do. finish out the season? I, I love this prediction. I love it. I do. I I I mean, as crazy as this sounds, I'm and I'm still not trusting a climb. I'm not getting on some freaking hashtag trusting climbs. I'm not. I'm not doing it. It's stupid. I, I mean, at, at that point, Scoot, though, let's, let's just – let's go back to the trust the climb thing for a second. At that point, if we win out, if we win out for the rest of the season, which I think is highly improbable, but if we do, like – the climb's over. Like we've done it. Like, right. There's if we, no need for this thing. I don't there's think there's no need for really it at that point. If, we're, if we with. finish the season with with eight wins or whatever it is at that point, like it's you've made the, you've done the climb. Like I, I and that's the thing. Like I think you know we're at a really weird point now because WVU four and four right now, two games, two wins away from being bowl eligible. Which two weeks, three weeks ago, we were talking about how this team wasn't going to go to a bowl. Yeah. Right. And now we're, you know, we're two wins away. We think they're, I mean, I think Kansas State and Kansas are definitely wins. So now I'm going, well, man, maybe we are a bowl team. And then you steal one of these last two, one of those two, you know, the Texas or the or the uh, Oklahoma State game. And, and now we've got a seven, eight, possibly eight win season. I mean, I don't know, Scooter. Uh, I think I saw something on Twitter. Maybe you guys saw it as well. That, um, I don't know if it was the week of the, the bye week that, Neil Brown had had kind of either posted somewhere or, or said something about you either need to believe or leave. Right, I saw that. That's right. I saw that. That too. I can buy into more than trust the climb. Like that to me is a better statement. Neil Brown is becoming the Ted Lasso of of West Virginia. Like he is oh, like believe or leave. I love it. Like that's a better that's a better line. That's a better that's that's one of those things where you're either with us yeah, right. or get out of our way. Yeah, you're right? in so or out. Like, right. right. And, and to me, that's the kind of, I don't want to say, uh, unconditional love or, or tough, tough love message that the guys need to hear, right? So you, I'm sure there are some guys who, when things were going poorly, were starting to stir and, and becoming kind yeah. of an issue. So that's probably where this, this whole message came from. And I think that that's that's a unifying message. Like, yeah, hey, it's strong. Get yeah, on board, or right. Get out of the way. Yeah. we're we're doing this thing. We're doing it my way. And I think that that's a that's more important to me than trusting a climb. I think that's still just a well, dumb Guido. One. I think now we see the potential that maybe I don't know. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say maybe that's what Neil Brown was referring to in the off season when he was he thought Jared Dagey was improved. I mean, like. 
you and I always go through this. Like I tried, I'm trying to gauge myself and not let the highs be, I want to be so, I want to enjoy this and be so excited about it, but I also want to be realistic. I think what I'm going to do, my takeaway is that, and I want to hear what you think, but I, I think my takeaway is now, you know, there's the potential I thought we had at QB one. Um, I don't expect 370 yards and all this stuff every game, but now it's like, now let's be consistent, you know, like now let's see, let's see the more positives and the less negatives. Right. I mean, I think that's what I take away from this. I see what it can be. Let's, so let's build on that. Now that was a great game. Let's not let it be one great game, you know, out of a, out of a stretch of bad. Let's now, let's now try to make this more so the norm. Right. Well, we said it going into the bye week guys. We said it, that this team did, didn't know who it was and that this team had to find itself and maybe, and, and, and maybe between, what Neil Brown's saying, the believer leave, between what the leadership is doing, the Zach Frazier's, the Jared Dagies, the the you know these get these players that are leaders. Maybe this team now, you know, here after TCU, after upsetting Iowa State, has found itself, and maybe that's what we needed. Maybe that's what WVU. Maybe that's what this program needed. And and you lose the players, and the guys that leave leave, and you find yourself you know, as a team, as a community, and you continue to build off of that. And I've said it all along, like I'm and WVU fans in general, we are more of the folks. We want more of the Bill Stewart's. We love the Don Neelans. We want, we want the Neil Browns to succeed. Like that is who we are as a state. That is who we are as a team. And so now it's just a matter of making that happen. And I think that maybe, this is the turning point, and we'll see what happens. We know the recruiting's there. We saw the tweets from the recruits that were visiting on Saturday were excited and happy. We saw the the the, the tweets and the and the social media posts from the recruits that have already committed that were excited about that game. This Iowa State game solidifies this team moving forward, and it solidifies it for Neil Brown. And now we go against Oklahoma State Saturday. 3.30 p.m. on ESPN at Mountaineer Field. It's a big game. Is it a must win? No, Scooty, it's not a must win. But it's a it's a turning. We're at a turning point for this team. Yes, I'm back on the mountain. Screw your base camp. I don't want to be there anymore. I am climbing. I ordered my carabiners. I've got my nice woolen socks ready. Let's climb this thing, man. Uh, I need you to do me a big favor. That last yeah. two and a half minutes. Guido, can that was beautiful. Can you can you put a musical score? It's a scene, it's like a scene setter. Can you put can you put the uh, simple gifts in the back of some of that? It was great. It was <laughs> yeah. friggin' you, great. Scoots Scoots exactly like, right because I was looking at him thinking the same thing. <laughs> it was like it was like the state of West Virginia wants to bully you. Know, it's a it's a scene a setter. We're doing it for the community. That's right. <laughs> I, it was great. <laughs> it was friggin' great. He's Please, right. It's like got a, it got Johnson. It, was it, got Johnson scene, it did. It's like I was, got Johnson I was thinking center. more the uh, the the Titanic. The I was thinking more. Uh, no, you need with, the crescendo of simple gifts in the back. It was <laughs> like simple gifts. It was Guido's. Right. Tr- it was his scene center. It just happened. Oh man, you guys kill me. So, anyways, anyways, big game Saturday. ESPN broadcasted on the big network. 
Uh, 3.30 kickoff. Man, I hope that Texas game is going to be a 3.30 kickoff. That would be great. For our sleep's sake, yes. (laughs) For my, yeah, right, exactly. Um, And, uh, you know, also, guys, some other big news to come out of the Big 12 this weekend. Uh, You know, Matt Wells got let go from Texas Tech uh, over the past week. And also in that whole thing, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, Gary Patterson out as head coach at TCU, Johnson. Yeah, really crazy. After 21 years, now the tweet, maybe you've got some more info since earlier, Guido, but the tweet I read made it sound like they mutually parted ways. I, I mean, I don't know, but I know. Is that ever the case, I, Yeah, it feels, Is that ever, it feels like that's never not a thing, you know? it's. But it seems like it's been well documented. I think since 2018, he's got a pretty significant losing record, at least in the Big 12, and I think there were a lot of grumblings there. But regardless... For someone that's had that kind of tenure and has kind of built, like, let's face it, has built TCU up, uh, you know, from where they were when we first played them. Like, I, you know, they always reference like the 1984 Blue Bonnet Bowl or something is the first time we played TCU. You <laughs> right, know, you right. used to yes. think of TCU as like this, you know, <laughs> yes. uh, some far off destination. But now, you know, now they're a, more of a household name. They're certainly, you know, they have um, carried their weight in the Big 12. And so to see him be not part of that program after so long man that's that's going to be weird to to look at their sideline and not see him there. they've actually um to add to your story here they've they the school officials have asked him to stay till the end the end of the season okay and he declined so he said i'm uh, i'm not staying so i'm he's out well that sounds amicable <laughs> <laughs> yeah right not not so much what about the statue what do they do yeah, do they, like what happens? Because you get fired as a coach. Do they get to keep your statue Ugh, on, the, on the? That's nasty. That's just that's tough. See, this is why you don't do that. This is why you don't do that. Um, the real question is now: Does Neil Brown become the king of visor wearers in the Big Twelve at this point? Oh, that's a good point. I think yes. Yeah, I think, I think yes. I think he is the visor king until uh, 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 Jim. Levitt? Jim Levitt. Jim Levitt. Levitt. Jim Levitt. Until he somehow is resurrected <laughs> into a coaching staff. Oh, gosh. Uh, which I don't think after he headbutted players what or something. Would you do? What would you do players? if Jim Levitt became the head coach of TCU? Oh, Scoot would love if it. He had like a visor off. A, if he liked the visor battle for the off. visor. Yes, that should be the trophy. <laughs> the trophy. That should have been what we played for when we played TCU. <laughs> we should have traded visors. Visor. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, like after the game, you know how players will trade jerseys sometimes? <laughs> Like if they, they went to the same visors. high school or something, do they trade visors? Oh, man. Well, we'll find out if that actually happens. Well, listen, guys, we need to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Second segment, still talking sports, WVU basketball. We're going to review the Akron game on Friday night and talk about what we thought we saw. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Vortech Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortechKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortech, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortech Knives. All right, 
everybody. Welcome back to Got Your Ears on Guido along with Scoot and Johnson. Hey, listen, don't forget, find us on the social medias. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can like, you can subscribe, you can follow. Just look for us on Instagram and Twitter, at Got Your Ears. You can also look for us on Facebook. Just search Got Your Ears on. Guys, second segment here, talking some basketball. And I know it's early in the season, and I, I know not to get too excited about things yet as I tend to do, but WVU played Akron in an exhibition game at the Coliseum on Friday night and won 74-59 to against an Akron team that kind of looked like a Division Three team, which kind of shocked me. I think the story that comes out of this game, though, for me, Scooty, is Taz Sherman yeah. is the leader of this team. So a couple, couple takeaways from this exhibition. One, um... Akron is a pretty like they had a, I think I texted you guys during the game they were 15 and eight last year uh, 24 and seven the year before so they're they're a decent program um, they're probably predicted to, to do fairly well in the Mac and uh, they're coached by a guy John Gross who has bounced around a little bit but he's taken teams to the tournament so he's uh, I, and I think he's probably a hugs buddy of hugs so that's typically where you get these these games right um but taz for me so i'll be honest going into this season i was very skeptical i think i was kind of the the debbie downer on hey let's not get too excited about this team we got a lot of moving parts scoot you skeptical hey, well, I, all right let me let you? me try to get my head around this but go ahead yeah so uh i was the guy on the on the on the downside so i I was very uh, I'm approaching this season with caution. So watching the exhibition, not that it should just change everything for me, but this team, Taz Sherman is the guy. Taz, and I wouldn't have said that. I, I personally would have thought, for me, I would have thought maybe McNeil's a better shooter. But I think I did say last week that Taz has an inside and an outside game, and we saw that. His uh, previous uh, career high was 26, and then on Friday night he had 29, and most of it was the first half. Yeah, and I asked you last week when we had Brent with us if if I had to peg you as like who the go to, I need a bucket, who's that guy? You said Taz, and I, I think that's a good call. Yeah, you and did. we saw it. We, I mean, come on, I again, like Guido said, context is everything. But even in this game, we we saw it, and and Scoot, I think we even had like some post-game comments from Taz where he kind of, you could tell he kind of wasn't happy. He's he, the, he came he's out of the, the game. Guy. Yeah, he came out of the game. He felt like they let off the gas pedal a little bit. I thought that was interesting to hear him say that. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, and I think uh, what I see is in the first half, we were dominant. Like, I mean, it was like uh, as dominant a performance as we've seen. And it was a bunch of guys. But da- uh, Taz was a big part of that. Second half, he kind of came out with a somewhat of a limp, or I don't know if it was a, a hip, knee, some kind of injury that the announcers had mentioned. And actually, speaking of announcers, Andrew Caridi, uh, he will be taking over for Phenomenal his dad job. at some point. Like he was great, Am- amazing, amazing job by Andrew Caridi. By the yeah. way, just just want to go on record and saying that. Yeah. I thought he did oh, a great yeah. job. Oh, was, yeah, I agree. And him with Warren Baker was great. Like I thought the two of them were great together. So. Uh, he was injured or something. They had mentioned that he had been hobbled uh, the previous day in practice. So I don't know if this was just, hey, you've scored 29 points. You know, let's let's 
take you out as a precaution and let you heal up? Or did he tweak something in the start of the second half that, that kind of re-aggravated that injury? I don't know. And, and when he came out, we started to see the game get a lot closer. Defensively, we weren't as, as tight. Uh, Taz Sherman, you know, you're right. Like 22 minutes of playing time, you know, scored 29 points. And all in all, like nobody else really outside of Taz made an impact in the game. I mean, Sean McNeil shot okay, but not great. He only had 10 points. He didn't score until the second half. Yeah, he was four from 12 from the field and two from six from three-point line. And I think that's what, that's kind of what it worries me a little bit about this team. And I know, again, it's preseason. Hugs was trying a lot of different things. I mean, the starting five was nobody knew. The starting five was all guys who were on the team last year. You know, I know Isaiah Cottrell was injured most of the season, but all guys who were in the program last year. Nobody else made an impact other than Taz. And I think for me, Johnson, that's my concern is like, okay, you can't, especially in collegiate basketball, you can't rely on one player. This isn't the NBA. There's no Michael Jordans on the field. You know what I mean? Like you got to have, you got to have a team that can play well. Yeah. And I think in fairness to Taz, he's got to be able to have the comfort to know he doesn't have to be on 100% in order for this team to go. And I don't think he does. I, I mean, I think, Again, like you said, this starting five, seeing JB there, Guido, you and I are such JB fans. I think we know he can score. We know Cottrell can shoot and with his size. I I think for me, the thing that I that I liked that I took away is that just knowing Taz can like if you need if you need he's kind of a microwave guy. You know, if if we need some points, I think he and Sean can do that. But he showed you right out of the box that, you know, yeah, lean on lean on me because I can get it I can get it done. I'll put the shots up. I mean, there for a while I didn't think he could miss. He was he was on fire. Early on in the the pre I say preseason, but in the non conference portion of the season, I think to help get some of these other guys with their legs under them. We've got a bunch of new pieces, right? We've got a bunch of young guys. Uh, Kobe Johnson played a ton. Uh, we've got Malik Curry. We've got Diamond Kerrigan, uh, Pauly Policap. I mean, we've got so many guys. You can pretty much call Isaiah Cottrell a, a new guy too because he didn't really get a chance to really yeah, that's true. get out of the blocks. Right. I think, again, I'm not Coach Huggins, so he'll do whatever he wants, but I think – they have to play Taz almost like they used to play Jawan Staten, where he was playing 37 to 40 minutes a game. Like, just now, never came off the court. Right. Like, because I, I think he's going to have to be that one consistent piece that we have because Sean McNeil can be streaky, uh, Jalen Bridges can be streaky. Taz, for the most part, isn't streaky. Taz has been pretty reliable. Uh, he, you know, even on his worst games, he's scoring like 12 points. So I think he's going to have to see the lion's share of the minutes, whether he's playing point guard or uh, the off the, the shooting guard, the off guard. There was a lot of times where he wasn't technically the point guard, but they did everything they could to get the ball in his hands at the top of the key to start the offense on Friday night. So I think that that's the, the way they're going to have to lean heavily until these other guys can kind of get into a rhythm and, and sort themselves out yeah yep and here and here's my question back to you scoot which is like of all of those new faces that we saw the kerrigans the curries the johnsons the 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 polycaps 
Which one of them stood out? Did any of them stand out to you? Like, did you come out of this game and were like, oh, that guy's going to be a player this year? Okay, so for me, the two guys that I'm most excited to see what they can do, one is Kobe Johnson, true freshman. Um, uh, They've been, the announcers were talking about how they're raving, Hugs has been raving about him, that he's kind of like a guy that just seems to get it and picks things up, and I think he's going to see decent time. And he, as we're going to say, he had 23 minutes of playing time, so he was the third, he was the second, he had the second most amount of minutes in the game than any other player for WVU. And and I think, I thought that was interesting. Early on, like when he was, first recruited or when he first came on ca- uh, campus there was some talk they were probably going to redshirt a bunch of those freshmen and I think he was listed as one of those people that potentially could get redshirted I don't think that's going to happen now the other guy that kind of excites me is Diamond Kerrigan Diamond Kerrigan who was the Florida international uh, transfer out of high school he was the nation's best shot blocker uh, doesn't look like he's super tall but he's got super long arms he wears the white sleeves so you can see those super long arms. And he did have at least one block that I know uh, in the game that was pretty pretty good block. I'm excited to see what he can do because I think um, I think this is the stage that I think he thought he was going to play on, and it's taken a long time for him to get there. So I'm kind of excited to see. He kind of reminded me a little bit of Jonathan Holton, and I think I texted you guys that. He's got a little bit of an engine, uh, a motor, yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm interested to see him and what he can do. The other guys, uh, Malik Curry played. He got a little sloppy in the second half with the ball. Um, Pauly Polycap, for me, was kind of a non-factor. He's, I, I guess I was expecting him to be bigger. He's not very big. He's he's like a I think he's what 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, I was kind of expecting like more like a 6'9", kind of uh, almost like a Gabe, but I think Gabe makes him look tiny. So I, I wasn't super impressed with either of those guys yet, but I'm hoping that that changes. And Scoot, I felt like and I'm with you on Kerrigan. Like I felt like he looked bigger than he actually like his numbers are. Yeah. Like he looked big. He was he, you know, he was kind of all over the court. He, he was he was kind of tenacious I, on the defensive side I of the ball. I think he'll be fun to watch. Um, and and Andrew Caridi kept, you know, talking about how he's a uh, a rim protector. Hugs needed a rim protector, and they went out and got him. And I think he'll I think he'll help because we don't really have that like that defensive presence that Hugs typically has. We don't have a Sags Kanate. We don't have a uh, Dennis Kalichla, or you know, we don't have this big lumbering guy inside because I think Isaiah Cottrell would rather hang out by the three point line, to be honest with you. So, we don't have that big presence inside. So, Diamond's probably going to get some decent playing time to be that defensive player for us. And Johnson, we saw it this weekend, you know, against Akron, where we are in that you know, uh, number one, that point guard by committee. I mean, our, our buddy Josh Witt over at Unreasonable Doubt, he had a great little, you know, image that he put up like talking about the WVU point guard committee, and he's got Kedrian Johnson, Taz Sherman, Sean McNeil, Malik Curry, Kobe Johnson. you got five guys that are playing the one. I mean, we also saw, you know, Kedrian kind of started the game as the one, 
But it, again, you know, it's early in the season. Kedrian didn't look strong. And, you know, I know Hugs likes to kind of change up these rotations early on. Yeah. And it just, I guess I would go back to what Scoot said. Like, I, I was interested to see who might be in there manning the one, but it seemed like they, in certain spots, when they were like, okay, look, this, we need to run something here, they would do whatever they could to get the ball back in Taz's hands to get the, to get the the offense started so we might see people helping bring the ball up but i i already get the impression that the offense is going to run through taz most of the time and i think scott i think scoot's comment about him being just someone who just gobbles up minutes is probably gonna be what we're gonna see all season i wouldn't be surprised if he almost never came out of the game this is this is his team i think this is this is his team which is kind of weird to say because he's not that uh four-year, you know, recruited out of high school kind of guy. He's, you know, a tra- he's been here for three years, but he's still a transfer. And Well, aren't you happy, though, that, you know, there was a, a pretty big clamoring for a lot of the year last year of, like, why is he constantly at the six? You know, he's constantly first man right. off the bench. Shouldn't he have a starting role? Now, it seemed to work really well, and I don't know that he really cared because he still got minutes, but it's funny now to see him, like, maybe that patience is paying off a bit because I agree with you this, this already, like even in exhibition play feels like his team. Yeah. I, I'm glad it's as a, as a coach, you always, you hope that that next guy up when it's his time does step up. And I think, you know, sometimes you get disappointed, right? Sometimes there's a, you're, you've got this expectation that that guy's going to step up and then he kind of doesn't. And it, it lets you down and you're trying to figure out what happened. Why did he not progress like you thought he was? But I think Taz Taz is, is ready to go. What's also kind of neat, and uh, Fran Fraschilla was in the Coliseum uh, kind of watching the game, scouting, I guess, and, and they interviewed him during the game. And uh, I, I just love Fran Fraschilla. So I, I think that um, having him – Close to the program, I know he's he's always an advocate of WVU and Coach Huggins and our basketball team. So he always speaks highly uh, of us in in national settings. So I'm I was kind of glad he was there. Well, and he tweeted out too that he specifically th- and you know he was a big Tasmanator, right? Is that what it was last year? He was a big Taz fan to begin with, but he tweeted out later that he feels like Taz has Big 12 player of the year potential. I mean, that's really high praise and I, from someone who I, you know, I think we all feels like knows what he's talking about. So I, I'm excited. I think Taz is going to have a big year. And I also like the fact that Fran Vashilla also was talking about how he wants to hold a rally if, if uh, Bob Huggins doesn't get inducted this year into the Hall of Fame. He was, <laughs> he was about you know, how crazy it was that he didn't get inducted last year and how he needs to be inducted this year. So I love the fact that, you know, Frischella is just such a fan of Huggins and and everything that uh, uh, Coach Huggs is doing in in Morgantown. All right, so WVU basketball doesn't play again for another week and a half. They don't start their regular season. So this was just an exhibition game, guys. They start their regular season November 9th against Oakland in the Coliseum, 7 p.m. That game will be on ESPN+, and we'll talk about it more because not only do they play Oakland that week, but they also play Pitt that week. So a lot of basketball coming down the corner. I'm excited for basketball. I mean, as much as I'm excited about how good football season is starting to turn, I just love WVU basketball. So I'm, I'm ready for basketball season to start. So it'll be it'll be a good time. And, and as always, Scooty, you will always have opinions about WVU basketball. 
That's true. Well, and we need to do some uh, we need to do some preseason prognostications too on this side, Scoot. Yeah, we'll have to um, maybe next next show we will come up with our uh, our predictions, our outlook. Yeah, I like it. Yes, our outlook, our 2021-2022 WVU basketball outlook. Well, listen, guys, let's take a break. We're going to come back with one more quick segment. A segment that is the number one game show on any West Virginia University sports podcast. The little game we like to call Bluff the Fluffs. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia-owned and operated company that specializes in heavy-duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior, the weekend warrior, and the outdoor warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. Hey, Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives. And when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25TOBRADIO for Tob Radio. You'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. Welcome back to Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoot and Johnson. And hey, listen, don't forget, check out our website, gotyourearson.com. It's the hub of everything, including a place to go and buy Got Your Ears On merch. Right, Johnson? That's right. The link's right there. You can click through to the store where you'll find our pullover guy merch as well as other Got Your Ears On stuff to check out. Uh, On the main page, you can find the latest show and blog format with all the show links uh in the show notes if you if you want to click on something and check it out further and then you can also listen to the latest show right in the sidebar the tune in link is right there so check it out yeah check it out got your ears on.com and i gotta tell you guys i've already read them this week the show notes for this week's show are phenomenal because you get a lot of our texting back and forth during the football game which is hilarious so we like just copy some of that and put it right in the show notes and it's a lot of emotion. It's a lot of, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. What's going on? Why is he doing this? Ah, so you got to check it out. Would you say it's a lot of, uh, I can't believe my ears. It's a lot of, I can't believe my ears. So definitely. Yeah. It, you know what, Scoot? It is. <laughs> so check it out. Visit us at gotyourearson.com. Well, listen guys, this week drop to segment three. We're playing the number one game show on a West Virginia University sports podcast. It's a little game we like to call bluff the fluffs and right now johnson has the lead 11 games to 10 over scooty and uh scoot you led earlier in the year and it's kind of you've kind of johnson kind of slowly chipped away at that lead it's it's this new intern that's the that's the x factor right this new intern that we have the are you saying it's the clone effect yeah i think he's jacked my mojo (laughs) the cloney the clone effect who is now our official writer of the got your ears on bluff the fluff uh games 
Uh, he writes all the questions now. I don't know them until they literally get sent to me two minutes before the the show starts. Because Cloney, you know, he's a little slow. Yeah, I mean, he just. I feel like he comes in hot. If things continue to progress for Young Clone, this could potentially become uh, the hottest uh, board game uh, in America. Oh, really? Because like you this. think you that could, sell it? Because you think in the current age we're in, board games are where it's I at. I think board uh, games are coming back, Johnson. What are you talking I about? I cannot <laughs> confirm, nor can I deny that maybe Hasbro has been reaching out to us. Oh, okay. And I mean, right. uh, intern Cloney, who is from Connecticut originally, uh, n- has no association with WVU. We're actually bringing him to a WVU game to sort of like what indoctrinate him. Uh, haze him into being him. part of yes. yeah, baptize him as part of the got your ears on close. We've brought group. him into the fold. Uh, yeah, we we will dunk <laughs> him in uh, uh, apple the, cider in the Monongahela. And, I thought you were going to say <laughs> yes. That. We yeah, should right? do that. That would be great. Should we should we dunk Cloney <laughs> in the Monongahela? Yeah, I think we should do that. Well, right now, Johnson, you're leading 11 games to 10 over Scooty, and we have a new Bluff the Fluff this week. Remember, everybody, a correct answer is worth five points, a steal is worth 10 points, and final bluff is worth 25 points. Cloney wrote us a good one this week, guys. Not sports-related, a little bit of game show-related. See what your knowledge is oh, no. about probably the greatest game show of all the time, the price is right. Oh my Ooh, gosh. Yeah, baby. I feel like this is I'm good this there. is leaning let's, scoot. Let's go. Let's go. There's a lot of midday television watching by Scoot. Scoot uh Scoot sees a lot of Bob Barker there and uh and Drew Carey. Yep. All right, here we go. All right. So before we started, we had a complete and total random flip of the coin. And Scooty, you come out first. You get to go first this week again. Feels good. I think the uh the algorithms are better for me with when Coney writes. So, yes, I'm happy. Oh, okay. All right, here we go. First question. In October of 2012, Rob Wilson of Massachusetts became the first to do this on The Price is Right. Was it A, guess the exact value of the showcase showdown, B, appear on the show as a male model, C, win a Lamborghini on the show, or D, spin the wheel to the one for the one hundred thousandth thousandth time. What would what's your Ooh, guess? Well, I don't think it's either the first two. So I am going to say he won a Lamborghini. I think it was one of those big prize uh, giveaways. I'm sorry, Scoot. That's incorrect. He did not win a Lamborghini. Johnson for ten points in the steal. Was it that he guessed the exact value of the showcase showdown? Appeared on the show as the first ever male model, or D, spun the wheel for the 100,000th time. I'm going to say he spun the wheel for the 100,000th time. Sorry, that's also incorrect. He actually was the first ever male model to appear on The Price is Right. I should have, I feel like we should have known that, Scoot. And that should have been, we should have been like hip to what clones putting down there, I feel like. Well, I feel like uh, what I did was called great defense. Yes. Right, so I tell you, I don't think it's the first two. It's either going to be it's those right. last two. I'm going to go with the Lamborghini, you mixed and then up. I get it oh, wrong. And I and then subconsciously you were like, just yes, fought, you chose I, okay. the other one. All right, yes. Yeah, so that's good defense. All right, here we go. Next question is to you, Johnson. Nobody has any points right now, Johnson. Since premiering in 1972, 
The Price is Right has aired approximately how many episodes? Is it 7,000, 9,000, 11,000, or 13,000? Oh, my gosh. Oh, um, what's that starting date again? Tell me. 1972. 1972. Oh, I'm going to say 9,000. That's correct. For five points, 9,000 times, approximately 9,000 times the prices rate has been on television. Good job, Johnson. Yeah, some quick scoot I mean, news that math is up my alley. That's so a, that's a math, I appreciate yes. that from Clone. Yeah. Could have been a spreadsheet involved with that. So, all right. Well, Scooty, this next one is back to you. In 2008, Adam Rose became the biggest winner of all time with this amount of cash on The Price is Right. Was it $1.1 million, $1.5 million, $2.2 million, or $3 million? Uh, I feel good about $1.5 million. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Johnson for 10 points and the steal. Was it $1.1 million, $2.2 million, or $3 million? I'm actually going to go $1.1 million, Guido. That's correct. For 10 points and the steal, Johnson takes a lead 15 to nothing. $1.153 million is what he got wow. approximately. That's a nice chunk of change. Not bad for being on the game show. You know, not bad. All right, Johnson. Well, good job on that one. Correct answer. And uh, this next one is back to you. Plinko, one of the most popular games on The Price is Right, has had this many Plinko chips made since its debut in 1983. So, you know, the little chip, the little circle thing that you right, dropped down. Right, right. How many for the show have they actually had made since 1983, the first time it premiered? Is it 10, 25, 150, or 225? Dude, I don't think they need a whole lot, do they? I mean, these are reusable, right? I, I mean, I think they are, but do they take them home? I mean, is it like something like a oh, collector's Oh, are they item? like souvenirs? Maybe. Give me that. Give me not. Give me answer B again, Guido. Can I hear answer B? You've got ten, twenty-five, one hundred and fifty, or two hundred and twenty-five of your options. Yeah, I'm gonna go twenty-five. I am sorry, that's incorrect, Scooty. For ten points and the steal since its debut in 1983, how many different Plinko chips have they made? Is it ten? 150 or 225? I'm going to go with 150 Plinko chips. Sorry, that's also incorrect. The correct answer is 10. They've only made 10 Plinko chips. I knew it was leaning that way. 40 years. That's ridiculous. I hope they they wipe those down with some sort of wipes. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of hands on those Plinko chips. Antibacterial, yes, right? Yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot of, Hands on those chips. All right. All right. Well, nobody gets any points right there. Johnson, you still retain the lead 15 to nothing over Scooty. But Scooty, this next question is back to you for five points. The Price is Right has given away more than 8,000 cars in the history of the show. What was the first car that they gave away on the show? Was it a Ford Granada, a Chevy Vega, an AMC Hornet, or a Volkswagen Bug? Ooh. Um, I feel like it was the Ford Granada. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. This game Johnson sucks. for ten for ten points. 
for 10 points and the steal. Was it a Chevy Vega, an AMC Hornet, or a Volkswagen Bug? Well, I thought Scoot was right, honestly. And then I was leaning Volkswagen Bug, but I don't think they would do that to someone. So I, I'm going to go with a Chevy Vega. Correct answer. Chevy Vega was the first car ever given away on The Price is Right, Johnson, for 10 points. And you now have the lead 25 to nothing. And you can kind of close out the game right here, even though we'll still make Scoot do Final Bluff if you can get this next question right. So, Johnson, this last question before Final Bluff comes to you. Over his 35-year as the host of The Price is Right, Bob Barker received approximately this many kisses from female contestants. Is it 12,000, 15,000, 18,000, or 22,000 kisses? Oh, my gosh. Um, Over 9,000 shows, I'm going to say he got about 12,000 kisses, Guido. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Scooty, for 10 points and the steal, is it 15,000? 18,000 or 22,000 kisses. Well, um I I think of uh Wilt Chamberlain, right? When when we're talking about all these numbers. Is that what you think about? Bob Barker was the Bob Barker was the Wilt Chamberlain of game show hosts. Okay. So, I'm going to go on the high side. I'm going to say uh I'm going to say 18,000 smooches. You should have gone even higher. It was 22,000 kisses over his career, 35-year career as host of The Price is Right. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of germs, right? Scoot, are you getting I mean, shut out of uh, America's Game Show trivia? This is the worst topic. <laughs> the worst. Uh, who writes this crap? I mean, our intern Cloney writes this crap, and I actually uh, think it's pretty good. I mean, none of these questions well, have listen, been out of bounds. If he's, you should be able to answer these. If he's hoping to get college credit for this, I will have a word with his college supervisor. He better bring extra blankets for the Texas weekend. That's all I'm saying. Going to be sleeping outside. He's going to need them after we baptize him. <laughs> All right, well, Scoot, there's still a chance for you to tie it up. Right now you're down 0 to 25. Johnson has the lead. But we're going into Final Bluff. Final Bluff is worth 25 points, so you can tie it up here. As always, guys, we ask you to ring in with your own buzzers. So what do you got for us this week, Scoot, with a buzzer? A new car! All right. All right. <laughs> And uh, Johnson. BFW. All right, good one, Johnson. All right, here we go. Uh, Final bluff. uh, 25 points. First person to buzz in gets a chance to answer. In 1987, the show's ratings increased when Bob Barker did this. Was it A, starting to ask for you to spay and neuter your pets? B, went gray? C, switched to a shiny microphone? Or D, started wearing pinstripe suits. A new car! <laughs> All right, Scooty. What do you got for an answer? Uh, he went gray in 1987. That's the correct answer. Scooty ties it up 25 apiece with getting the correct answer for Final Bluff right. Ooh, man. That's a good one, Scoot. Coming in late there with that Felt one. Felt good. Uh, I knew at some point... Uh, all of those hours and uh, fake sick days would pay off. 
so that's how I, I gained all of my knowledge uh, of the show was uh, snow days and sick days. I just wanted to hear so. you with your buzzer, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. That was my Rod Roddy. <laughs> all right, guys. Unlike what happened two weeks ago, we actually have a tiebreaker question now. So what we have to do is we have this question. You each put in your guess closest without going over wins. Like true prices right fashion? Is that what you're like saying? Like true prices right fashion. Right, right. And if you both go over, we have to guess again. But closest without going over wins. Here you go. You ready? Approximately how many times has the big wheel on the prices right been spun around? How many times has it gone around? All right, Scooty, what's your guess? Uh, I'm trying to think here. I'm doing a little quick math here. Um, Which is Scoot's strong point. I am going to say 54,000 times. All right, 54,000 times, Scooty's guess. Johnson, what's your guess? How many times has the big wheel been spun around? 27,000 times. Twenty. 7,000 times. Well, guys, the correct answer is 63,000 times, and Scooty gets the win Boom. in the tiebreaker. And a new back, car! <laughs> coming back from being down 25 nothing going into final bluff. First time ever. First time <laughs> ever somebody has gone down in the final bluff that or has gone into final bluff that far down and come back for the win. Scoot, it's got to feel good. It feels good. Uh, so I did a little quick math, right? So if we're talking 9,000 shows, six different people spin the wheel because they have three from the first half hour, three from the second half hour. So there's six times 9,000 is where I got my 54,000. Get you some yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know that. I, like, I who knows that, Guido? I didn't know that there was three and three. I mean, I just thought, hey, maybe it happens three times a show. I don't know, times nine thousand. But who know? Like, who even knows that there's two halves of the show and that three and three? I don't know any of that. So kudos to Scoot for Justin, being the oxygen. Scooty has the, never worked so like, hard. Yeah, like for uh, a right I mean, he's gonna life. have to go lay down after this, and like. Like he's the <laughs> resident octogenarian now for knowing that much detail about the prices, right? That's hilarious. I don't know if Scooty has ever thought that hard about anything in his life. Like there's off. nothing. I mean, it paid off. It did pay off. I mean, it paid well, off. Well, and how about I want to give a shout out to Clone Dog for the level of professionalism to work in that style of tiebreaker for that theme of questioning. That was top notch. Well done. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll give him credit. Good job, Cloney, and good job, Scooty. You have tied it back up eleven games apiece here on Bluff the Fluffs. And guys, I don't know if you know this. We only have like seven more shows to go before the end of the season to pick our 2021 champion for bluff the fluff so time to bear down guys it's time to get serious about answering silly questions where i feel yes. like we're up to the task scoot i mean yeah i'm ready it's what we do i was born i was born right. silly yeah i'm i'm glad somebody's ready well listen guys thanks for listening to our show this week uh big game for wvu this week playing a number 11 team in the nation Oklahoma State at Mountaineer Field on Saturday, 3.30 kickoff. That game will be on ESPN. Uh, Oklahoma State picked a win by three right now, guys. So let's hope WVU can pull this one off. The over-under on that game, by the way, if you're a betting person, is 50 and a half. I'm taking the over. Guido's on the over on that game. So Jared Deggie's slinging the ball again. I think 
were clear at more than 50 and a half points in the over-under on that game. Ooh, that's a lot of points. We'll see. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points, folks. We'll see. We'll see. Well, listen, guys, don't forget, look for us online. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can look for us at Got Your Ears On. You can also find us on Facebook and look for our website, GotYourEarsOn.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another show. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On.